Thanks for tuning in to The Police Report, a Roselle Park Police audio podcast series. From police headquarters to your home, car, or wherever you may be listening from, we report on real crime trends and break down solutions on how to tackle them, like the pros. This podcast is hosted by RPPD's Community-Oriented Policing Unit, and this case is now open. Case number one, the inaugural episode. Today on The Police Report, we will be joined by Chief Daniel J. McCaffrey. I'm your host, Officer Jessica Diaz, and I am currently assigned to Rosa Park Police's Community-Oriented Policing Unit here in New Jersey. Before I introduce myself or our guest, I want to take a second and talk about the podcast. So a few weeks before each episode, I will be releasing a public question forum on our social media. There, you will have an opportunity to ask questions on a certain topic. So don't forget to submit your questions so that you may hear it on the podcast. So a little bit about me. I grew up in Union County. Growing up, I knew I wanted to make an impact in my community. One thing led to another, and here I am. About five years ago, I started off in patrol in Roselle Park Police. Before that, I was a sheriff's officer with Union County Sheriff's Department. Before that, I was a police and fire dispatcher in multiple agencies. And before that, I worked at a hair salon. But, of course, I also have a personal life. I'm a mom, so I'm always running around. I enjoy hiking, I love the outdoors, and I love crafting. Crafting has always been my escape in life. But enough about me, because I am excited to introduce our first guest. Our first guest is Chief Daniel J. McCaffrey. Chief McCaffrey is the executive officer here at Roselle Park Police. Chief McCaffrey, welcome. Thank you so much for having me today. So first and foremost, thank you for being here and being our first guest. So I wanted to just take a minute to talk about you. You're best known in the community as chief of police. But over the past few years, I've come to know you as a father, a coach, an avid athlete, and a former SWAT member. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, I am from, from Roselle Park originally. I'm a disciple of the town. I went to the Robert Gordon, for, well, let me back up. I went to the community nursery school first. Mm-hmm. Then I went to the Robert Gordon School. Then I attended the Roselle Park Middle School and the Roselle Park High School. I then went to Union County College and at the Kane University, which was Kane College at the time. Uh, but my drive all along was to become a police officer. I knew that from an early age. I had family members who were police officers. Um, I had an uncle who was a state trooper. A brother of mine was a New York City police officer. So I think it's always been in my blood and my, my DNA to become a police officer. Um, and I chose Roselle Park, and fortunately things have worked out for me well here. I'm uh, 28 years complete. I'm in my 29th year right now. And uh, still loving my job, still love serving the community. So it's really worked out well. I inspire to still, you know, enjoy my career 29 years later. Um, so I know firsthand, just because, um, you know, we work in the same building, how busy you are um, every day. But for our, some of our listeners that don't understand the structure of the police department, can you kind of explain what your role is as chief as far as like the duties or just your daily routine? Sure. I'm an early riser, so I'm typically in my office by 6 a.m. every morning. Um, And my duties are I oversee everything 
from top to bottom, it happens in the police department. Um, it, whether it be budgeting, whether it be personnel, manpower, hiring, firing, um, equipment, what equipment we're getting, training, uh, all of that will go through my office at some point. Um, I try and be very hands-on. I try and be very responsive to the public. By that, I mean uh, I pride myself on it. If somebody from the public calls me, whether it be through an email, whether it be through a telephone call, I'm going to get back to them. And I think that that's worked for me, whether I was serving as a lieutenant or as a captain or now as a chief. Uh, I think you have a responsibility to be available to the public. And, and that's also has worked out well for me. Uh, I, I know a lot of people in town only from having grown up in this town and from having worked here for so long. I, you know, I come from a large family. I'm one of five boys, the McCaffrey boys, who all went to school here. So um, part of my duties, like I said, is, is to be responsive to the public. When they call, It's oftentimes it's uncomfortable for people to call the police, never mind the chief of police. So yeah. I try and make that a little easier for them by being a little more humane and, and accessible, if I should say. Definitely. I, I grew up in a town where that was just so out of reach to, to, to be able to call a chief of police or email him. And so that's great that, you know, you kind of give our, our um, public that, that ability to, to reach you, really. Um, so as you're aware, the purpose behind this podcast is um, to be a resource and to further educate our public on topics that aren't typically very openly spoken about. You know, topics like scam awareness and target hardening or um, crime trends, uh, and those are issues that we deal with every day, so we kind of know how to react to it. But how important do you think it is for us to educate the public on crime trends and how to further prevent crime? So I, I think education is everything. So the more we teach people, the better off they're going to be, their quality of life is going to be, and it's going to make our jobs easier. Um, what do they say? An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Yeah. So. If we're letting people know that, hey, you know, we, we have a campaign on our Facebook every night, it's 9 a.m. or 9 p.m. routine, and that means lock your car doors. We pound this into our residents, whether it be me at a council meeting saying it, um, you know, on TV 34, whether it be on our Facebook page, we're telling people lock your cars because in our town of Roselle Park, surrounding towns, people who are opportunistic are walking around opening car doors and stealing money and items out of cars. So the trend is people are entering unlocked cars. So we're telling people lock your cars. We're telling people fortify your house, whether it be through burglar alarms, whether lock your doors. Uh, we don't want people to be prisoners in their house, but we also don't want to make them victims of crimes because they didn't take a few simple steps. So by advising them of these trends, of these um, things that have been going on, it only makes our residents' lives and quality of life better. And it's a very small lift for our department to make these reminders or to tell people that sort of thing. Um, so, so for us, you know, telling people these type of things, it can only make their quality of life better. So the little things, whether it be the drug trends or whatever, you know, we're in the schools, our officers are in the schools teaching lead. Uh, fortunately, with COVID winding down, we'll be able to have more of a presence in these type of situations. But through our community policing bureau, um, through other tactics that we take, it's only going to make the residents more well-informed have a better quality of life, and it'll ultimately make our job as police officers easier because we'll be dealing with less victims and, and dealing with people on a better capacity. Yeah, definitely. And I couldn't agree with you more that um, that proper education can truly save lives. And um, 
sometimes what I often reference back to is, is in high school, I had a mentor who used to tell me that there's no greater weapon than a prepared mind. And that's always that's something that stuck out with me. And especially now in community policing, I really want to be able to expand on just that is, is educate our public. Um, so what other types of educations do you think that would benefit our public? I, I know you mentioned a few things, but um, is there anything else you think our public would want to hear about? So some of the things that, that we've done in the past, we did something called the SAFE program. It's the uh, SAFE, uh, Secure Assistance for the Elderly is the acronym. And that would be where we would have our community policing officers. And again, we wound, wound it down because of COVID, but mm -hmm. they would go into the Casano Center, let's say, for example, in Roselle Park, and they would speak and educate the elderly public on what we mentioned a few minutes ago about trends going around. For example, there's a social security trend that a lot of people are getting caught up in that web. And it's someone calling saying that they're from social security and they need to confirm this, the victim's social security number. So they're gonna call up and say, hey, my, for example, my name is Michael Smith, I'm an agent with social security. I need your social security number to confirm it because we've had fraudulent activity. It's completely a bogus call, but a lot of older people who don't know better, who haven't been informed by something such as this, will give their information. It happened to my own mother-in-law. She gave her information. So no one is uh, not susceptible to this. There's another one going around. It's a grandparent scam. And, and we have already made residents aware of this, but this grandparent scam is someone will call up and say that um, they'll say, hi, I'm just making up names, but they'll say, hi, Grandpa, this is Joey. Uh, I need you to send me $10,000. And the grandfather will say, well, Joey, you sound different. And then the suspect will say, well, I was in a car accident and I, my mouth is wired, but can you send me money? And not every time, but sometimes people will send money. And we had an elderly woman in our town who sent $15,000. Uh, I'm happy to say that in that specific case, we were able to make an arrest in that. But it's very, very unlikely that an arrest is made in this because it's layers deep of conspiracies who are working together to dis, uh, be deceitful to these residents. So we want to make people aware of what's going on, of the trends. And so these type of awareness, these types of outreaches, whether it's be at the Casano Center, whether it's be through a podcast, whether it be through literature that we put out, or me speaking at a council meeting, because that's viewed by the public, making people aware of these type of things, it's only going to help people. So the situational awareness, um, we're telling people to be aware of that. You know, we don't want people answering the door and somebody saying they're from Comcast and then, you know, locking the, the victim in their house or in their basement and robbing the house. That happened early in my career. Um, so, so these kind of things do happen. It's not isolated to inner cities. It happens in suburbs. It happens in, in the Roselle Parks. It happens everywhere. It's just a matter of our residents being informed of these type of trends and what we can do to prevent that. Yeah, I think those are great suggestions. And uh, it's unfortunate that... Um, that is right at our back door. It does happen in Roselle Park. You and I have both seen it many times. Um, so I started off as a patrolman five years ago. And it's crazy to think that in how, in such a small time frame, how much policing has changed. We, I mean, we have new body cameras, there's drones, um, there's tons of new technology. What do you think are ways that we can, in Roselle Park, stay ahead of that policing curve and really help combat crime? Well, I, I do think that community outreach is probably number one or one of the top numbers up there. So just the small steps that we're taking to make ourselves accessible, myself, start with me, but then to have somebody like yourself, a community policing officer, who, you know, I'm putting you into a Casano Center or into schools or different programs to make you and our department's message available will definitely help. 
Um, we're fortunate now, like you mentioned, about technology advancing. So we can get a message out, whether it be through the first alert system, um, which is a text message, text messaging, emailing type of system, which we're a part of and we have, or through our social media pages, through Instagram or Facebook, we can instantly get a message out to the public. And we do that. Um, so with using those type of ways, that helps us to stay ahead of the policing curve to get messages out. Um, but I do think that being accessible and aware, uh, available is definitely one of the best ways. And again, we make ourselves transparent. We make ourselves available. Uh, I, I think we've been successful up to that point, but we can always do better and always striving to do better. Yeah. I think one of the aspects, like you, you had mentioned before, that the, our community is not completely aware of is all our youth and community um, programs such as National Night Out, there's Coffee with a Cop, Craft with a Cop, LEAD, uh, formerly known as, as DARE, um, the Youth Academy, just to name a few, but there is, there is quite a bit. Um, aside from our community programs, what, how else can the public or the parents help or engage with law enforcement? So I think that society as a whole, and I don't want to sound cynical because I'm not a cynical person, but society as a whole, I think right now is down on the police. Um, if you look at the New York City mayoral race, everything is about police reform. They're making all of the crime that's going on in the city, which isn't police related, as if it's the police's fault. And I make that point because I think that when, when you, the question is what can parents do, I think if parents are vilifying police, and by that I mean making the police seem bad, that's inherently going to be passed down to their kids. Mm -hmm. And I'm here to say that the police aren't bad. We're regular people. We're hardworking people. Like, like you mentioned earlier, we all have families. I have children of my own. I'm a coach. I'm a parent. And we're regular people who want to serve the public. No one became a police officer because they wanted to go out and hurt people. Um, maybe somehow they went down the wrong path, but I think you have that with every career, every profession. Um, you know, No one likes to be stereotyped, whether they're of a, a race, a creed, a job. And I don't think it's fair to stereotype that all police are bad either, because they're not. And, and I'm proof of that, and you're proof of that, and our department has wonderful officers who work for us. So all police aren't bad. Um, and I think if you have one incident where a police officer does something wrong, we shouldn't paint a, a broad brush approach to all police officers, because we're not all bad, and, and we do a lot of great things. And as you mentioned, our police department has phenomenal community outreach, phenomenal. And I'm very proud of that. Um, you can't find a borough event that our police officers aren't at volunteering or our P police union, our PBA, isn't giving out free items mm -hmm. as a community outreach because we don't want to be seen as um, this negative perception that's being painted all over the media. That's not us. That's not your police department. We do a lot of great things with this community, whether it's giving out scholarships, whether it's uh, at every event you'll see our police officers at Christmas time at the tree lighting event, they're giving out hot chocolate. We're not giving out hot chocolate because we're trying to buy votes. We want to just be a part of the community. Yeah. We want people to see us for who we are, and we want the community support, and we want to support the community. So I, I think that if parents can see that and see through the cloud of fog that's being portrayed in the media of all police officers being bad or being racist, we're not. We're all regular people who want to make a difference. And I think that it starts at home. You know, I was asked the other day the question of um, somebody had said that a police officer didn't wave hello at them. And I said, well, did you wave at them first? Because if you waved at them first and they didn't wave back, you know, that, that would be a problem too. But, you know, police right now are on their heels. And, and what I mean by that is that 
um, the profession of police in general in America is getting kicked around a little bit. And I think that it's definitely uh, puts officers at ease a little bit if somebody smiles at them first or says hello or something like that. Because I can tell you a lot of times people are looking at the police in, with a negative light. So it, it, it definitely puts us at, at ease if someone leads with a smile or leads with a handshake or leads with a hello. Uh, I, I can speak for myself that that really offsets a, a possibly uncomfortable situation. That being said, I'm still going to be very approachable and still talk to everyone. But I, I do think that that would be something that to circle back to the original question. If parents can just convey at home that we don't want to stereotype anybody, never mind a profession, never mind police officers, because we all know the first person you call when you need help is the police. So we don't want children to feel if they call the police, they have to be afraid of them. Yeah, yeah That's kind of counterproductive. Uh, but I, I think it starts at home. And, and if more parents can convey that message, that can only help us be more effective. And, and you're going to get a better level of service as well. Yeah, I, I think those are great pointers. And, and like you mentioned, like just having the public uh, be proactive about having those positive engagements with us, I think that can come a long way and, and truly help help us a, a lot more. And so before we close out, uh, do you have any parting thoughts for our listeners? Sure. And, and again, I thank you for having me here today. This is wonderful. Uh, I will say that if anybody has any issues, please feel, feel free to email me. My email is my first initial of my first name. My first name is Daniel and my last name. But it's very accessible if you go to our borough website, uh, which is www.rosellpark.net. There's a pull-down tab for the police department, and my email address is right there. And you can click right on that, and you can get right in touch with me. Um, if, if you wanted to speak about something, if you wanted to speak off the record, I'll meet you at, at the, the diner parking lot. I, I don't care. Um, if you have a message or something that you want to have addressed and you want to remain anonymous, you want to come see me in person, I'd be happy to meet with you. Because at the end of the day, if you're not happy with the level of service of our police officers, then there's something we have to work on or talk about. Or, like we're mentioning, we ke I keep saying communication. Perhaps I can explain something to you or I can make you understand why we do things a certain way. And I think communication will only help. And I think that if we have that better line of communication, to go back to your earlier question about what people can do, I, I think if the community as a whole reaches out and you know I'm making myself accessible. I know a lot of chiefs and a lot of police executives don't do that. But it's something that I'm willing to do to try and clear up. And, and, and I don't want police officers to be painted with a bad brush. Um, if we have somebody in our department who's doing something wrong, we're going to address it. As you mentioned, we wear body cameras. We're very accountable. So if someone got pulled over by an officer and they thought that officer was rude and disrespectful or whatever, we have the luxury of being able to pull up that exact interaction and view it and make our determination. And we can make that available to a resident. So, so we are very transparent. But again, I just want to reiterate, if someone has an issue or, or something, please reach out to me, send me an email, call our department. I'll be happy to get back to you and talk to you about it and possibly come to some kind of resolution. I'm not opposed to ringing someone's doorbell and talking to them and listening to they, what they have to say. A lot of times people are intimidated by coming to the police department. You let me know, I'll come to your house, I'll sit in your living room, we can talk on your front steps and we'll figure out what the problem is. Or at least come to a common ground, or try to. Okay. Chief, I truly appreciate your time and you um, sitting here and talking to us and your true dedication to our public. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to The Police Report. We hope you're tuned back next month to learn more. The Police Report is now found on major listening apps including Google Podcast, Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Radio Public, and Pocket Cast. 
Don't forget to subscribe to be notified when we release a new podcast. The Police Report is produced by Rosa Park Police and under the direction of Chief Daniel J. McCaffrey. And with this, we close out case number one.